Hello everyone, welcome to God's Internet Church Podcast, episode 115. I am your host, Pastor Ron Weaver, for God's Internet Church Podcast. And I hope that you are enjoying our Bible study on the book of Job. We're coming downtown to the last four chapters, and we may go a little farther. Um, with this Another chapter, depending on how far we get with some things going on. You know, there's a little bit more study and stuff. So, we'll see how it all goes with that. But, we're going to do a little recap here. um, With the book of Job chapter number 38. But today we're going to be in the book of Job chapter... 39 but we want to do a little recap like I said and just be patient here for a minute get right to it. I just want to make sure everything is straightened out this time because there were some mistakes in the last few episodes. Um, So, we learned that in chapter 38 of Job, God began his speech to Job after countless uh, audiences with these these friends, and plus Elu, which is another friend, you know, came, then uh, they were based, a lot of his friends were basically telling Job that he was wrong, he was a sinner, and this is why he's getting punished, but we know one of the real reasons is because God allowed the devil to attack him, and it was kind of a thing to show the devil that, hey, you can't bring down my servant Job. But in the midst of everything that was going on, We found out that that Job had spoken as himself was very greater, even spoke that he was even greater than God. In Job chapter twenty three, verses seventeen, thirteen through seventeen. In other words, he sees things that maybe God don't see. And now God is answering him in that thought. God answered himself to Job, okay, in verses 1 and 2. And basically, he was basically, he said, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I created the land? Where were you when I did this and when I did that? And Job would have no answer because Job was even thought of yet. And at that time, he was even his mother that would have bore him. Never was thought of yet, or his dad. Then God talked to him about how he created the world. And how he created the sea. And how he created the dawn. And and God knows every place on earth that we may not even know. 
<clears throat> and that he controls the weather and he controls the stars and God controls the sky. God provides food for every animal. So in other words, he's telling Job here, if you are better than I, how come you're not doing this job and I am? How come I know more about this than you? See, we tend sometimes to do this with not only with God. We think that God, we know better than God in some of our situations because we live our life. But let me tell you something, saints, that's not true. That is not true at all. God knows the beginning, the middle, and the end of all of our lives. He knows exactly when to swoop in and help us out when we're going through our trials. And he knows exactly when we need what we're asking for. Because sometimes if he gives us the stuff too soon, it won't be used to what it needs to be used for. Or we won't use it. Because it's not the right time. So we got to learn to trust God and wait on God. And believe that God knows what he's doing. Now, we're going to open up in prayer here. And we're going to go to Job chapter 39. We might get into Job 40 and 41. We'll see. We only got four chapters left. But it all just depends on how long everything goes now. So, let's look at Job chapter 39. And we're going to start in verses 1 through 11, 1 through 12. So if you got your Bibles with you, open them up to the book of chapter number 39. And we're going to start in verse 1. And at this point, you can hit the pause button and get where you need to go and then unpause it because it is being recorded. But, verse 1. You do not know when the mountains... Now, this is God talking. You do not know when the mountains goats are born. You do not watch the birth of the younger goats. You have not counted the months that the female goats are pregnant. That is when a female waits to give birth. The female goats blunt their legs. And the young goats are born. And then, and then the, their pain ends. The young goats grow because they're strong. They leave their mother and the young goats will not return. Some have freed the wild donkeys. The donkeys is like a small horse. Nobody owns the donkeys now. The donkeys live in a wild place and they wander on the salt plains. When the people are urged, argue in towns, the wild donkeys laugh. Nobody can order the donkey to work. So the donkeys wander to the hills and look for many green plants. The wild ox will not agree to serve you. An ox is like a cow. And the ox will not stay at the place you feed, where you feed it. It will pull your plow through the fields. It is strong, but it will not work for you. He refuses to collect or gain or cannot control a wild ox. Oh. 
So what have we learned from chapter 39 so far? Verses 1 through 12. Well, we learned this. God taught a lesson about animals. Job supposed that God did not really know Job's situation. And that, it, that is, this is why God did not rescue Job. But Job's idea was wrong. God created all the birds. God created all the animals. Each bird or animals had its own character. In other words, the believers, the behaviors of each bird and each animal is different. This is God's plan. And the facts show that God is intelligent and he knows things that we don't know. Okay? He taught us through these first 12 verses is this. The animals in the verse are called goats and donkeys and oxen. These animals are not common animals on the farm in many countries. Oh, excuse me, are common animals on the farms in many countries. On the farms, these are tamed and they're also wild. Well, also wild goats, donkey, and oxen. These wild animals behave as God intended them to behave and they are not obeyed man's instructions. So basically, these animals, if they're living in the wild, will not be tamed. Okay? They'll live the way God created them to live. Now, verses 1 through 4 deal with this thought. Wild animals are shy animals. They live in the mountains. They stay far away from people. The young goats are loyal to their mothers. And when the goats are are old enough, they leave their mothers and they do not return. Basically like us humans. They honor their mothers when they're a kid. When they grow, they get married, they move on. The only difference is us as parents, I mean as children, go back and see our parents. Some. And some don't. Some are like these animals, wild animals. But let me tell you something, saints. God created these instincts to these animals to be bored, be nurtured, and to be on their own. God wants us to be bored, be nurtured, and be on our own too. But he also tells us to honor our mothers and fathers. Alright, and we need to go out and be with them. Now, do I say we need to live with them the rest of their their of your parents' lives? No. Now, this pastor had a rough time. Since me and my wife been married, we went through some experiences where me and my wife had to start over a few times here and there, job problems and stuff. And yes, I praise God that my mom and dad were willing to take us in a few times. And her mom and dad was willing to take us in a few times. But sometimes we got to get to a point where we learn that we got to do things on our own. Now, each time that we were talking in, we didn't have a lot of choices or we were been on the street. 
but it wasn't because of foolish decisions that we ended up in this situation, okay? But there's a lot of people, kids out there that don't even want to leave the nest. And the Bible tells us that there's a time for everything. There's a time for seasons, time for death, time to live. And you know, one day your parents are going to die. So you got to make sure you become self-sustained and ready to be who God wants you to be. Now, I will say this, too many parents sometimes out there molly clog their kids these days. And I see this all around me. You know, they're in their child years, you're supposed to be growing them up to be on their own, not not to make them not come back and see you, but to teach them how to be on their own, how to fix things when some come up. Now, sometimes, sometimes parents do need to go back and help. Because things does happen in life where we need help. But we got to make sure when we're helping them, we're not able enabling them. And that's funny because I, I'm a big fan of this show from the late 80s, well, through the 80s and early, maybe part of the early 90s. It's called Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. And... It came to a point where they were on their own. They had their own house, and the husband was trying to, Almanzo was trying to do everything he can to keep things going. But unfortunately, unfortunately, during this time, his crop got destroyed by, he got sick. He mortgaged the house without telling his wife, Laura, for $500 to keep things going. And he got very sick. And then, as he was recovering, couldn't work the land. And him, his wife couldn't do much. She tried to take care of him. And she was pregnant. And getting ready to have the baby. So she couldn't really work the land and do what needed to do. And it was about time for the harvest. And if it would have been a few days earlier, he would have got his harvest on and everything would have been okay. But a hailstorm came and destroyed the crop. Not just his crops, it would be a lot of people's crops around the area. Now, because of this, Charles found out Found out they were going to lose the house. And he basically helped. He basically mortgaged his property. Then he went off to find work to help them keep, to help pay their stuff and keep the bills to keep their house. Now, unfortunately, they're in the problem. Um, The house got destroyed by a tornado, but they got to keep the land. But the point I'm trying to make here, the sister of his sister came back and she used to take care of him when he was young. And she felt the need to big, big cyst instead of letting him do his ear because when he got, he had stroke, he lost the whole left side of his body. 
And the Dr. Baker on the show was trying to tell that he needs to do his exercise. Well, he would work with his hand with this plant and his arm came back fully. But he said he couldn't walk. He was a cripple. He couldn't do it. He didn't do the exercises like he was doing with them. So what's the point of my story here? The point of my story is here. You got to try for yourself. Then if you can't, then, then as a parent, you see your kids trying, then maybe you should try to help them. But if you see them not trying, that might be a little bit of a different story where then you might have to teach them a little bit of tough love. Okay. Now, my, now, in our case, both sets of parents saw that we were trying. We just had hit a lot of bad luck. And I believe some of that bad luck is because we were supposed to be where we were now. And God might have been allowing it to happen to open our eyes to get us where we need to be now. But praise the Lord that God had my parents help me, and I appreciate that, and then my wife's parents help us during this time. But the wild animals, sometimes you go on and they don't come back. Now, I believe that as children our parents' age, we do need to spend time and be with our parents and come back and spend time with them. Especially when they get older because you need to come back and help them with stuff that they need help with now. Okay? Now, verses 5 through 8 dealt with this subject. The tame donkey is a loyal animal. It's a small horse that can carry heavy loads. But the wild donkey does not obey man's order. It does not like the army horses which fight men's battles. Verses 19 to 25. Instead, the wild donkey does not care about people's arguments. It's not a re responsible animal. But freedom is not always a benefit. Unlike the tame donkey, the wild donkey must find its own food, and the wild donkey searches for green plants to eat. Sometimes the donkey will be hungry, That's kind of reinforcing what I was just talking about. You know, sometimes in life, you got to find a way. And sometimes in life, finding a way, sometimes you need help. And that's why I said sometimes parents should help if their kids are trying. But if they find out that their kids are not trying, they should be showing a little bit of love until they start trying. Whew. Let's look at verses 9 to 12, what the verses 9 and 12 was telling us, okay? An oxen is a strong animal. The ox was very useful on the farm. Job used to own thousands of oxen, plural, of ox. Job 1 to 3. But the wild ox would not help the farmer. It might wander into the fields, but would not obey the farmer. Instead, it would spoil the crops. A farmer could never trust a wild ox. The ox would be happy to take the crops. 
but it would eat the crops itself. It would not take the crops from the farmhouse like a tame oxen. And I think this is kind of going back that sometimes people we help, they're on their own and they think they're on their own and they don't want to follow your rules. They don't want to follow your orders. They don't want to uh, do things to help themselves. They want to eat, but yet they don't want to provide in the house. That's why I said, parents and even kids, if you want help, you got to make sure you're trying the best you can. Because if you're not, your parents have no obligation to help you. Now, I will tell you this. Your parents really don't have an obligation to help you even when you move out. Some parents believe it that way. But I'm a believer that if their kids are trying, the parents should be there trying to help. If, if they, you know, that's the way they feel. Because that's the way, but if they're trying just to live there and not help themselves, in other words, not got a job, not trying to buy their own food, not trying to do this or that, then you got a situation where you're not, you got to let go and show some tough love. Because you're not going to change them by doing everything for them. Okay, now let's look from verses 13 to 16. No, 13 through 18, I'm sorry, for our next set. Okay, we, it says, an ostrich is a bird that cannot fly. The ostrich is very happy when it waves, waves its wings, but it strokes a bird that uses its wings to fly. And the stork flies with grace and beauty. The ostrich lays eggs on the ground. The eggs become warm in the sand. But the ostrich does not think carefully. Someone might step on eggs or a wild animal might break the eggs. The mother ostrich is cruel to her own young ostrich. The mother ostrich acts as if she's not the mother. She does not care if she wasted her energy. God did not teach the ostrich to be wise, so the ostrich is not sensible. But when the ostrich runs, it runs fast than a horse with a rider. Verses 13 through 16 dealt with this. God made some strange birds and animals. The ostrich is a bird with wings but cannot fly. Some birds are very careful about their eggs, but the ostrich leaves the eggs on the ground. And it doesn't even seem to look after it own young birds. In other words, <laughs> these ostriches do what they want and don't care about their family. Now, God might have made them that way. But let me tell you something, saints. We've got parents out there today that do this. And I think God's trying to show this, you know, in his mind. Job, hey, you took care of your family. We, mem we remember from Job chapter 1 how it says, or 2, 
<coughs> excuse me, how how you you make you did sacrifices for your kids even though when they partied to make sure they were right with God, with me. But you know there's some that don't care they have these kids and they dump them out on other people. They won't want to take care of them. Or they use the kids to get what they want. Ouch. Let me tell you something, saints. We need to be like the birds that take care of their family. We need to be careful with our family. Because one wrong move, you can provoke your kids. And what does it say in the book Paul tells us? It tells us not to provoke our children, but love them. But you know, you can provoke your children by not taking care of them. You can provoke your children by not being there for them. You can provoke your children by drinking up all the profits and abusing them and hitting them. Or keeping the money for yourself and not feeding them. Let me tell you something. In my lifetime, I've seen some kids, the people I know, that care more about themselves than their family. Including their wives. Or their husbands. Let me tell you something, saints. We've got to be careful about our children. But when they get to an age, we got to be careful that we don't enable them to keep on doing what is wrong either. Yeah, I mean, this Bible study today is going in a way that I didn't expect. I mean, I wasn't thinking it would go that way. Let's look at verses 17 and 18. It said, God did not teach the ostriches to be wise, but God did teach the ostriches to run. And the ostrich can even run faster than horses in battle. God tossed the ostrich to run so that it could escape from danger. Let me tell you, if you're acting like the ostrich, this is not telling you to run away from your family. I think it's telling you to run to take care of your family. To avoid the problem. To stop being the ostrich. But you got to run to your family and help your family when they're in need. A true need. When you see them helping yourselves. But you know. God also. Brings us to him. And we didn't deserve it all the time. But God still gave him a chance. Parents. This because I say that sometimes you need to back off. Sometimes you probably still going to have to help him. Even when it seems like they don't appreciate it. Because God took care of you. And came to make a way for your sins. To get yourself straightened out. 
God may come and got you straightened out. So you can live for him better. You know, I don't think God has a problem along as people trying, trying to live. God's going to help. And I think that's what he's trying to tell him. here. Yes, I made all these things. But there's a reason why I made them. And you know, and I, God's given me a look on some of this stuff. And let me tell you something, saints. I think God was describing the certain circumstances. And some of these circumstances apply to how, how our kids or our family does. We need to learn that we need to be there for our family. But sometimes we got to back off. And sometimes we got to help. Even if we feel we shouldn't. Because that's what God would do. Okay. Now, we're going to look at verses 19 to 25 as we close out chapter 39. And from what I see on the time, we're going to, you know, we'll see where we are when I get done discussing this. And we might start chapter 40. And it says, verse 19, You did not make the horses, you did not make the horse strong. You did not dress the horse for battle. The horses jumped as easily as insects, but the horses make a sound that frightened people. When the horse runs, it runs with strength and power. It charges forward into battle. It laughs at people who are afraid. Nothing frightens the horse, not even afraid of swords. The horse rider carries a bow. His sword flashes in the sunlight. But the horse runs forward if it's angry. The whistle sound to tell him the men to fight. And the horse cannot stand still. When the horse hears the whistle, the horse is excited. The horse wants to fight even before it arrives at the battle. Perhaps the horse can smell the battle. Or perhaps the horse hears the shout of the soldiers. This is basically what God was teaching us here. The army horses are like a loyal soldier. In fact, it's better than a soldier. Better than a soldier is brave. It listens, and it listens strong. Strong, nothing frightens it. The archers is like the crowd. Coward, it runs away from the battle. But the horses to the opposite can race into the battle. They're not even afraid of death. You know what I think God's trying to point out here to this? And I know some people here, I know some people in my life with this too. Everything is going good when things are going right. But when problems come and there's a spiritual battle or storms of life that comes in their life, they're ready to run. Instead of being the they want to be all, be, all of a sudden be the ostrich and run from the problem. Instead of fixing the problem. 
We got to learn to be the soldier all the time. No matter how weary or tired you are. It's time for us saints to share this with people. It's time for us to be loyal soldiers till the end. And the end I'm meaning until God takes us home. He don't want us to be frightened by the devil. He don't want us to be frightened by the storms of our lives. He don't want us to be frightened by people coming against you and me. He wants us to trust him. Follow his lead and keep going even when it seems like all is lost. When you got God, no matter if it seems like it's all lost or not, God is there for you. Keep up fighting. Don't run. But there's a lot of people out there wants to run. And it's time for them to stop running and stop and start dealing with what is causing the problems. Then they want to take it one step further and start blaming other people for what happened. Instead of being honest with yourselves. Now we're going to look at verses 26 to 30. To end out chapter 39. And then I think we might have time to go into some of chapter 40 or all of chapter 40. We'll see. Alright. Verses 26 to 30. And it says... Hawks are birds that fly south each year. But the but your wisdom did not teach them to do this. The vulture is a bird that nests in high places. You did not order it to fly in high skies. It waits on the cliffs by night. There the vulture is safe. It shares for its food. And then it sees the food. So the young vulture will eat blood and dead bones. After the battle, you will see the vulture. Basically, I think the message that is intended for Job here is that, hey, you don't know about these birds. I made these birds how to live, to take care of themselves, to take care of their family. Okay, they have an instinct. Did you create that? And that's the thing. God's trying to teach Job here. Here, I created all these things to do all these things, and I know God took it a step farther to help help me to help us provide it in our families. But what to look for and what not to look for. But you know, basically, this list of things that to go back and recap a little bit. God made these creatures to do these things for a reason. But unfortunately, sometimes we act like these animals that God made. And we act like them and we shouldn't be instead of acting the way God wants us to act. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure you knew exactly. But that's basically what he he's saying here. Okay. 
Verse 26 dealt with this. This hawk is a bird that migrates. Migrates. In other words, it flies to a different country for the winter. Some birds fly thousands of miles each year, but they do not simply go anywhere. They fly to a particular place, and even the young birds manage to find the right place. Okay, Hawks and, and vultures are both birds that eat meat. So they have an instinct of where to go. Okay? And that's why he's trying to pwn up with Job. But you know what? I'm going to take it a step further. See, those humans have an instinct to serve God. To search for something. And then when we do have God, we have an instinct to follow God. But we also have an instinct in us called man, self. That don't want to follow God. But if you want to live and live a good life with God. You gotta learn to follow the instincts of serving God and not the instincts of self. And like the birds, they gotta follow their instincts to survive. But God made them that way. But we gotta learn to be survivors, not to follow our instincts, but follow God's leading. Because our self would just make everything else bad. Verses 19 to 26 describes God. The gods describe a terrible battle. After the battle, the vultures come. Vultures are birds that eat dead bodies. They do not hunt for anything that lives. Perhaps they are eating the dead horse. Or perhaps they are eating the bodies of the soldiers. In Revelations 19, 17 to 21, before Jesus returns, there will be a terrible battle. God will use this battle to punish the evil nations of the world. But God will also, God will save the people who trust him. That's interesting how else it does that. There's going to be a great battle. But God will use this battle to punish evil nations of the world. But God will save the people who trust in him. In other words, there's going to be good and bad things going on in this earth that Christians are going to be involved with. And I believe that battle that's talking about is the Christians that were lukewarm and they left behind. But if they stay true to God, God will bless them through it. Let me tell you something. I'm going to take that a step further. If we trust God now, God's even going to bring us closer and better to him. But we gotta trust him. We gotta let him lead us. Job went through this big experience, and I think he went through all this to teach Job what these instincts of these animals are and why he created it, and that could you did that. But I think he was trying to teach some moral issues here too. You gotta stop running from me like the ostrich and come back. You gotta keep fighting, keep going. Now, that's one thing Job did. He never cursed God and died. It's like his wife told him to do. He kept with God. He kept trying to defend himself with God. He just got a little bit high-minded. And God is, you know, disciplining him here a little bit. But if we want to make it in life, even when the battle comes against us, 
God will take care of us if we're trusting him and doing what we need to do. In other words, when it looks like it's the end, God is going to, there's another day and God's going to lift you up if you trust him and bring you through. Now, we're going to go into chapter 40. And I don't know if we're going to make it. There's one, two, three thoughts here. I would like to get through chapter 40 today. We've roughly got 20 minutes left of record time. That's what my engineer is telling me. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're going to look at chapter 40 of Job. I wanted kind of to get as far as possible today. I was hoping maybe to get to chapter 41. But we'll deal with chapter 41 and maybe 42 um, next next Tuesday. But here we go. Chapter 1 through 5. I mean, chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. And it says, Then God said to Job, Are you arguing with me? Then show me that I'm wrong. If you accuse God, then you must answer God. So Job... So, Job answered God, I am not important. I cannot answer you. I will say nothing. I did accuse you, but I cannot answer you. I spoke out. But I spoke, but now I will be silent. Well, I think what happened here, before we even read, that God's confronting him and says, No, you need to speak of these things to me. But I think he was shocked because he was in awe of what God just told him. And God, he wants an answer for him. God is confronting him, okay? So, Job verse 1 through 5, 40 verses 1 through 5, spoke, I mean, dealt with this. Job spoke to his friends as if he knew everything. He had thought carefully about his trouble. He was confident that his speech were right. Speeches were right, and he was sure that he was wise. But then God spoke, and Job's ideal did not seem important. God's words were wonderful. God's deeds were much greater than anything a man could do. We think that Job did not really want to accuse God. Job was a servant of God. Job was greatly greatly respected God, and Job spoke some foolish words because of his pain. Job complained with complaints when he should have praised God, but Job did not continue to complain when God pointed out his errors. Job did not continue to accuse God. God spoke. And how often do we do this? When we're going through our trials. Sometimes we look at our circumstances. It gets to be too much. And we accuse God. For not being there with us. We accuse him for not taking care of us. We accuse him for not providing for us. But sit back. And watch what God did. Did you wake up that morning? Yes. He gave you breath. He gave you a new day. And the new day is a new chapter of your life. Secondly, did he give you food to eat? Yes. Your belly got full. He took he gave you something to drink. 
Did you have a shelter over your head? Yes. Did you have a warm fire? Job did have fire. Yes, you have a furnace. In other words, things might be going rough, but there's times we got to look around. Yes, I might be going through this trial, but I got this, 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 and that. You need to count your blessings and start praising God for them. You know, I, I read a verse, Hebrews 6, 7, 8, and 9. And it's mainly used, talks about the backslider. But one day, and I wasn't a backslider, but I was so distraught with this, this trial I was going through. Even this is before I even was a minister or even married. And God came to me. I was a new Christian. And this thing came to me, on me. And it was on me and on me. And God forgave me forever what it was. But I just couldn't seem to get past it. And as one day I prayed. And I said, Lord, help me, show me. Well, he took me to Hebrews 6, 7. And it talked about the rain that falls upon the earth. In the end, will help it grow and bless it. Then he had me read verse 8. But the land that is dry and dying is heaped for fire. And God spoke to me through those two blessings, Hebrews 6, 7, and 8. That, hey, you should be glad you're going to the storms of life. Because if I didn't have that storm going through your life, you'd be dry and ready to heat for the fire. In other words, that trial is going on because the devil is scared of you. I got you where I want you. And the devil is scared, so he's attacking you. You need to praise God for it. If you have just dry ground and not going through the trials, you're in a drought. You should be scared and worried. Then verse 9 basically says, we have better things for you. After you read verse 9. Things that accompany salvation. So in other words, God was telling me, hey, you should be praising me going through this storm. Not whining. But God also understands even Jesus was in anguish on the cross. He got to one point when, he, when God turned his back on him when he was on the cross because the sin was our sins were so great on the cross, on his back, that God turned away. And when he felt God turn away, he said, Oh God, oh God, why have thou forsaken me? Let me tell you something, saints. God knows. God knows what we're going through. But Jesus had to come to them and he made it to heaven. We know that. Is this God's plan was fulfilled? Let me tell you something, saints. We're going to go through life. I was listening to my pastor this Sunday morning. Because yes, this pastor goes to church at Port Huron Assembly of God. And then we have God's Internet Church 
online services that I preach and the lead pastor over. But we learned from him that, hey, sometimes when God judges, us Christians get into the middle of it. But God will protect those who, we just heard it, who truly stay with him until the end. Okay? Oh, hallelujah. God is good. Let's look at verses 6 to 14. And we've still got like 10 minutes left. Well, a little over 12 minutes. It says, God spoke to Job. Verse 6. God, Then God spoke to Job. The storm hid. God said, prepare yourself as, as a man. I have tested, I have a test for you, and you must answer me. Do not claim that I am unfair. Do not accuse me to argue that you are innocent. You are not as strong as I am, and your voice is not as powerful as mine. If you were like me, you would ex- deserve to be a great like a king. You would deserve honor. You would be really important. If you would be angry with evil men, you would punish the proud people, and you would make them humble. You would kill wicked men. All these evil people would die together, and you would bury them. Verse 14. And if you were so great, then I, God, would give you honor, and you, Job, would be able to save yourself. Now, verses 6 to 7 deals with this subject. In, in his speech, Job spoke as if, if he were wiser than God. Job even made a list of things that God would do. So Job not explained why God was not doing such things. So Job would complain, complain about God's behavior. But a man should not complain about God. God is always fair. And he would always trust, and we should always trust him. So God tested Job. God tests would prove whether Job was as great as Job. Job, excuse me. Of course, Job would fail the test, and the test in verses nineteen to fourteen. And we'll get to that in a minute. Verse eight dealt with God pointed out Job's many main areas. Job imagined that God was unfair. Job said that he himself was right rather than God. So Elu's opinion about Job was correct. In Job 32 verse 2. Okay. Now here's the test. Job 19 and 14 with the test. Said these verses describe Job's test. Verse 7. The purpose of the test was to prove that God was greater than Job. The purpose was to improve that God was wiser than Job. Firstly, God reminded Job Job was great Job about God's great power. Job was not as powerful as God, so he failed. God reminds Job God's importance, verse ten. Then God gave a list of how Job wouldn't would act like would like God to act. Verses 11-13. God 
can do such things, but Job could not do these things. So Job, not being telling God to do these things, and Job should not complain. If God decides not to do these things, in other words, Job can't do them, but God can, and it's up to God who created this universe. Job clearly failed his test. Nobody is greater as God. So God uses humor in verse 14. If Job could carry out his great ideals, then God would respect Job. But Job could not do these things, so instead Job should trust God, and God alone could not save Job from his trouble. And it's kind of going back to where we started. You know, we can't do these things, but God can. And we need to go to him instead of complaining and ask God for his help. And and sometimes, just like I shared Sunday night at God's Internet Church Online service, that sometimes we don't like the answer, but we still need to execute what God asks us to do. And we'll be blessed for it in the end. And we've been doing a series of sermons on great some of the great battles of history or Israel were in over the history and we did we shared like three or four of them and we talked about if Josh if if Joshua wouldn't crossed and went around Jericho once a day marching around that land for seven days on six day and then the seventh day do it seven times and then scream the wall wouldn't have fell and Israel wouldn't have took Jericho we learned about David trusting in God more than his fear, fighting against David, the Goliath. Then we learned that when we pray, sometimes we need to help bring others in to help us pray, to keep our hands up to God, just like Aaron and another individual did when he was praying over Israel during the war that they were fighting. And sometimes God teaches us through these little storms to do that. Now, for the premise, I said that we know Job didn't do anything wrong when things started first. And he didn't. But then as we got through, I started saying that there was one thing that he did do wrong. And that was thinking that he can do things better than Job. I mean, than God. You know, sometimes we do that when... We go through our trials and tribulations and we try to fix things for ourselves. But we're fighting against principalities. And the only one that can do things is God. And we got to learn that. And we got about five minutes left. We, and it won't let me go over. So hopefully we can get it done. Um, I, it's 15 through 23. I'm going to read it real quick. And it's just a little thing. And we'll see how God ends. It says, The hippo is a great animal. I created the hippo and I created you. The hippo eats grass like other animals, but its body is so strong, its muscles are so powerful. Its tail is like trees. Its legs have firm muscles. Its bones seem as strong as metal. Its legs seem as strong as irons. The hippo is the greatest of my work, but I, God, made the hippo, and I can kill it. There's food for the hippo. There's hills and other wild animals to play there. 
But the hippo lies down under the brush. The hippo hides between the reeds and the mud. The hippo hides the shades of shades of the bushes and rests between the trees and grow near the river. The hippos is not afraid when the river floods. Even the river Jordan rises as high as its mouth. Hippo, the hippos say, "He cannot. You cannot catch a hippo. Your trap would fail. You cannot put a ring on the hippo's nose." So this is from. Verses 15 to 24 of what this is teaching us here in this last four minutes. In fact, the Bible students are not sure about the animals in this passage. In the original language called Hebrew, the animal's name simply means a great animal. But the hippo behaves as God describes. It is a large animal that lives near the river. It is strong. It eats plants. It is cruel to other animals, and the hippo can swim. Hippos show us that some strong animals have a calm and confident character. Such animals do not normally fight. To enjoy the food that God provides, they like to rest and watch the other animals. Perhaps people can learn from the hippo's character. If we have troubles, we do not need to argue with God. God was always win anyways. But instead, we need we can trust God when we have troubles. Even the flood does not upset a hippo, and our troubles do not need to upset us. In other words, when we're going through these trials in life, instead of complaining, we need to take our problems to God, which I already shared. Now we're coming to our last couple minutes of the podcast, and I thank you that you're here. We won't be able to go through our prayer request today, but I'd like to have you join us this Friday. And I know we've been off a couple last couple weeks, but this Friday for God's Internet Church podcast, I mean uh, God's Internet Church on one Friday night Bible study on the book of Proverbs, chapter number 17. And then join us Sunday night for God's Internet Church online service. At 7 o'clock, we, we broadcast this on Facebook Live through a group called God's Internet Church. You can go to the search bar on your Facebook. You can join it for free, and then you will get either the replay or you can get it live. On that note, I'm Pastor Ron Weaver. Thank you for joining us. God bless you, and see you next time for God's Internet Church Podcast next Tuesday for the last two chapters on the book of Job, and then the following week we'll start a new one. On that note, God bless you, and Lord, be with us and bless us as we go our separate ways this week and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I'm Pastor Ron Weaver, host, saying see you next time on God's Internet Church Podcast next Tuesday, and God bless you.